people of the Central Michigan area, it's time for Spock Sports Show on 92.3 FM and AM 830 WMMI. Here is your source for mid-Michigan sports. He is the one and only Mr. Chris Spockman. Chris Spockman on the phone with Jeff Kimmerly here on Spock Sports Show. And Jeff, for somebody who doesn't know your exact title, I like to think of you as the head of the second half page and, you know, kind of the media at the MHSA. What is your exact title there? Um, that's definitely part of it. Uh, I, I guess my technical title is communications director uh, and editor of the second half. Um, I spend a lot, probably a lot more time on the second half these days, thankfully, um, during COVID. It was more in that communications director role because I, I serve as our spokesman for a lot of things, spokesperson. So, um, yeah, I definitely enjoy it more when I get to do more with the website and telling a lot of these stories, uh, like, like obviously you're doing as well uh, around around your area and around our state. Yeah, but yeah, and I'm based here with Mount Pleasant, Sacred Heart, Beale City, Claire, Shepherd. Those are what I like to call our five ultra-local schools. And for somebody who doesn't sure. know the second half at the MHSA, what will they find if they go there? We like to call that our, our fan-forward, um, fan-focused, maybe, site. Um, we, we have our, our MHSA.com, which is uh, a lot of data, our scores and schedules, and uh, record books, and a lot of stuff for our administrators and coaches to make, and our officials, of course, uh, to make our our sports go. Uh, second half is, is something that's more interesting, you know, perhaps to, to the fans, to the parents, of course, to the coaches and the administrators and the athletes as well. Uh, but we're, we're really, we like to say we tell the stories behind the scores. Uh, and, and it's kind of something we started 10 years ago when um, in a lot of places, uh, coverage of high school sports was, was on its way down. Uh, you know, definitely compared to maybe the heyday of the 70s and 80s and even early 90s. Uh, we wanted to try and fill the void at least a little bit and make sure those stories are still getting told. So we cover all of our championship events uh, for every single sport that we have. Uh, and then we have a, a group of reporters from all over the state uh, who twice a month uh, send in some sort of feature piece um, from their, their side of the world. And uh, it, it really is pretty neat. Um, it's grown substantially, and, and uh, yeah, I, I hope it's something that everyone has a chance to check out a little bit. Yeah, I love going there for the stories you got. You also got the high school rankings there as well, and it's what well, you started saying that, and you're thinking about it, and it's kind of what I do. It's like we got the best job ever, the stuff that we're able to do to cover these high school kids. And when I was on the site earlier today, there was a story, I'm just going to throw it out there, Kay Johnson has been at Morrissey Softball for 50 years. You kind of mentioned a little bit of how you get and find those stories. But what, what, you know, what are you really looking for, just kind of about those kids and like a coach who's been there for 50 years and those kind of feel-good things? Yeah, you know, things that really tell about the people who are – who are part of uh, what we do every day. Kay Johnson's a great example. Um, we've done something this entire year, this the 50th year uh, since Title IX was enacted, and we've, we've done a ton of focus. We've done a, a some smaller focus every Tuesday on, on something from our past or present uh, that is related to Title IX. And Kay Johnson, um, separate from that, but still along that theme, she started – I think she probably started five sports at Morrency uh, because she was there right at the beginning. Uh, this is somebody who did not have opportunities to play in high school. Um, but when she got to college, she was right there as Title IX started taking hold. Uh, and then she has been at Morrency ever since. And she has stuck with softball the entire time. She's one of our winningest coaches. Um, and it's just it's awesome to hear her say that she's still – she's 
still in it for the challenge. She's still in it to see uh, people get better over the course of a season. She has five. I think she, she said she had five girls in the program who have never played at all this year, um, you know, which for some people probably is, is a little mind-boggling. But, you know, again, we're talking about one of our really small communities here. So, you know, we're just trying to tell people about the opportunities that, uh, that are out there and the people that are, um, you know, just creating some great things in the world of school sports. And uh, we try and try and touch on just about everything, at least a little bit. Um, you know, and then again, like I said, we really focus hard uh, on our championship events to make sure that those are covered and, and recognition is, is uh, passed around. Yeah, and that kind of goes right in the next question I had for you. I think, you know, my coverage revolves around football, boys and girls, basketball, baseball, and softball, but there's so many other sports out there. How many MHSA championship sports are there, if I can put you on the spot a little bit, Jeff? I believe it's 28, and for some reason I'm always wrong on this. Um, I'm almost positive right now it's 28, and the reason I get confused sometimes is because uh, we have some that are played in the lower peninsula uh, in the fall, and then they're played in the upper peninsula in the spring, um, or in the case of uh, swimming, fall for the girls and both of them are during the winter in the UP. Um, so there's always some confusion there, but yeah, I believe it's 28. Um, and yeah, it, it basically, you know, I, I think lacrosse was our most recent addition in 2005. Um, you know, a few of these has been around, have been around since we started during the 1924-25 school year uh, when the MHSAA um, was created out of a, a, a predecessor organization uh and yeah we just continue to, to to grow those things and do our best to have people interested in being part of them and, and it's uh it's pretty exciting obviously uh to have something like that going uh all but a couple months of the year and now is there another sport that's maybe on deck and i'm just going to throw disc golf out there for some reason like i said it's been back since 2005 is there a sport you guys have been talking about there that some schools are doing that isn't involved in the mhsa you know, I, I think at this point, there, there might be a couple that are really right out there, um, you know, far out on the horizon. We like to see 10% of our member schools or, or just below that sponsoring team um, before we start considering having a tournament uh, and sponsorship for that sport. Uh, water polo has been in the conversation for a long time in the, the 30 to 35 Schools that have water polo have had that for a long time now. Um, I think we're just waiting for more schools to pick that up before talking about that more. The one that's been making uh, some pretty solid progress, especially over the last three or four years, is boys volleyball. Uh, it's played in the spring. Uh, it's played inside when no one else is playing inside. Uh, and it's growing substantially, especially on the west side of the state. Uh, we've, we've done some other things. For example, we added uh, a girls wrestling championship division this year, although I wouldn't necessarily consider that uh, a separate sport. Um, but, of course, if we're going to add some opportunities for boys, we want to add opportunities for girls or vice versa. So uh, those are kind of some of the things that, that go into making those sort of decisions. And I'm going to really ask you a possible tough question here. Do you have a favorite sport, and or I mean a favorite championship event? You know, maybe it's not even your favorite sport, but just how cool the event is at the MHSA championships. You know, that is hard because they're they're, and and when you live on a school calendar, and I've been here for eleven years, and I was in the media for about twelve to 
before that. And so, yeah, my life has revolved around that going back to, you know, when I was in high school, I guess. Uh, so you live on a calendar like that. You always have something to look forward to um, every season. Uh, I, you know, I, I think from an atmosphere standpoint, I think our team wrestling championships are pretty special. Um, I, I don't think people realize because that community, people who wrestle generally, it, it's, it's a pretty tight-knit community. And there are, sometimes there is not a lot of crossover with other sports. So if, if you're not a wrestler, you might not know uh, what those finals look like. But I think the atmosphere there is, is pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, I love being at football, of course. Uh, I love being at uh, basketball. I really like being at girls' basketball. Um, I just – everybody there is so excited to be there, and, and I just I, – I love that environment. Um, and then I, it's great being at Michigan State for the last weekend of the year when we have baseball and softball uh, and girls' soccer. So it's so hard to, to pick one because our volleyball finals are fun. Um, our cross-country finals are a huge event. Um, I don't know. I've been – Basically, all of these except for, I think, skiing. And uh, even then, you hear some great stories about, about our skiing finals, just the way that the teams interact up there. So I think the, the, the bottom line is I don't really have a good answer for that question, but the things that I enjoy most about all of them, um, you know, just seeing these people compete with each other, seeing people relate to each other and, and form friendships with each other and, and things like that, um, just seeing that across the board, with all of our sports is, is the reason I enjoy going to those events as a whole. Yeah, I think that was a fantastic answer. And I actually graduated from Shepherd High School, and so the, the wrestling finals, I have definitely been to those. Those those are, it's like I said, it's a special atmosphere. It's a tight-knit community, and, you know, they've got the individual wrestling finals and the team finals, and they're both both kind of their different thing. What was it like to add the girls' wrestling to that, or was that a separate event? Well, it, it, was, it was added to it for individuals. Uh, our girls, for team competition, they were part. They, they still wrestled as part of the team lineup for our team finals, and then for individuals, they could either choose to stay in the boys bracket or wrestle in the girls only bracket. Um, and I don't know that anybody stayed and did the boys bracket. The girls bracket it was something that had been uh, anticipated and hoped for uh, in the girls wrestling community for you know five to who knows you know even more years uh, now. So there was a lot of excitement around that. Uh, Basically, we added a, just a fifth mat down to the front for the championships and then obviously a variety of other mats uh, for earlier rounds. And uh, it, it brought even more excitement to an event that um, already has Fort Field, that side of Fort Field at least, rumbling pretty good uh, when we get to the end of the day Saturday. So I think that's something that's only going to grow, uh, and that's really what the, the advocates for it told us would happen. If, if we could produce a division like that, it was just gonna, it was just gonna light the fuse on something, uh, and and I think we're gonna have some significant growth in girls wrestling here over the next few years. Yeah, like you said, that's something when you have those girls who had their dads wrestle and their whole family's so into it, they just pick it up and then they get to a point where they just eventually lose the opportunity to continue wrestling. It's so cool that they have the chance at the high school and now even at the state level. Just special stuff. So now one thing here, kind of a, a selfish thing, I'll say for my Mount Pleasant Oilers in basketball when they run into a grand blank or something in the playoffs, there's, there's I think, 10 football state champions now with the eight-man. Have you guys ever thought about expanding beyond four divisions for some of the other sports, and do you maybe already that I don't know of? You know, there, there certainly are some advocates for that. Um, it, it's, 
there are a couple different reasons that I think we haven't gone that far. And I'm just as I scroll through all of our sports here, just to make sure that there aren't any. Um, I think almost all of the refs have four, and a couple have three, uh, and lacrosse has two. The difference with football, I think, is the substantial difference that is made uh, by enrollment when you have schools that are even a little bit bigger uh, than their opponents. Um, basketball, you have five people on the court. You have 10 people maybe on your team for 12. Yep. Football, you have at least eight on the field, if not 11. You really need to have double that um, to, to be able to do some things in practice. And, and uh, most of our successful programs at the eight-player level have at least 20, you know, some athletes. And, and at the 11-player level, even our small schools will have 25, 30, you know, 35. If yeah. you take schools that have uh, slightly different enrollments, you'll, you'll see them in the, in, in the same division. But if you if you were to use basketball divisions for football, the difference would be so much more substantial. Maybe not among the best teams, um, because of course we see teams in Division Three and leagues with Division One teams all the time and things like that. Uh, but when you start seeing Division Four teams against Division One teams or Division Five teams against Division One teams, you need so many people on the field for football uh, that when you compare that to uh, the differences in students walking around the hallways, um, the, the numbers just—it's it, much more difficult to keep a even com- competition when you have uh, fewer divisions. Yeah, that's, that's what I think has led to that increase in divisions. Eleven player had eight has had eight divisions for a long time, um, so it's almost it's almost not apples to oranges to then throw eight player into that uh, because eight player was something that we started in 2011 was the first playoff um, because we had some schools that were so small they couldn't even really compete at the smallest level of eleven player, uh, which kind of further emphasizes that point of how just a few students difference can make a big difference. Uh, in that sport. Yeah, I think you made the great point when you said 11 people on the floor versus five people on the floor, and you could play a basketball season, you know, with five guys essentially, too, with the eight-minute quarters. You're not having 11 guys out there for an entire football game, and so you answered my question greatly. I've got I've got no arguments that I can try and make to just have more state champions so I can call more state championship games is kind of what there I'm thinking go. at. Oh, no, I totally understand, though. Time for a break here on Almost Box Sports Show. When we come back, more with Jeff Kimberly from the MHSA. We're going to take a deep dive into what it takes and how good it is to become an MHSA official here in our area. It's Box Sports Show on Buck 92. Thanks for tuning in to Spock's Sports Show on WMMI. All right, let's get right back into that interview with Jeff Kimberly from the MHSA. We're taking a deep dive on how to become, why you should become an MHSA official, and why you need to lay off the... We just need more officials. We'll talk about it all here. Yeah, and kind of want to take a deep dive into officiating here because... And you can answer this question better than I can. I know this was something that was hit hard by the pandemic, wasn't it? It was. Yep, it and, was. Uh, I was. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was, I was just going to say, and so I really just want to kind of put it out there to let people know how easy it is, they actually make pretty good money, this, that, and the other. And so how does one really get started with officiating? 
so yes, to, to kind of answer the first half of your question, we are really working hard to uh, refill our ranks. Right, right before uh, we started our conversation, I was looking at something to send to another member uh, of our media in the Detroit area uh, about soccer officials, very specific, um, but a good picture of what's happened in our state. Um, over the last four years, we had something like 1,300 soccer officials, and then it went down to 1,200, uh, and then during uh, 2021, it went down to 937 or something like that. Um, obviously, that's a pretty big drop, and that really is a picture of what happened in almost all of our sports. Uh, we saw a, a pretty heavy decrease. What we've seen in almost all of our sports is some sort of bounce back. Um, for most of them, it's been kind of a single-digit percentage thing, like soccer, again, as an example, is up about 5% this year. Um, a couple of our sports were up 10. I think that was the max. Uh, but we need we need to not only bring people back, we need to keep the people that we have. Um, getting started in it is is easy. Uh, if you go to our website, mhsa.com, you click officials at the top. First thing you see is how to become an official. And there's, there's a registration process. Uh, it includes um, taking some online, a couple online tests that are open book, uh, you know, basically just to get you familiar with things. And then we get you connected with people uh, in your area that are part of associations that these associations meet frequently to train, to uh, teach, to review, uh, to mentor, and we do our best to uh, hook our new officials uh, into those associations so that they have some people who have done this, who are doing this, who love doing this, uh, who can provide some support. Uh, and, and get them into uh, something that, for the people who are involved in it, is, is a great advocation. Uh, it really is. It is something that I, I wish I could. I wish I could do it myself. Uh, we have a couple people on staff who do uh, officiate quite a bit. Um, it doesn't work out, for example, for me because I'm here until five o'clock at night. But for others, uh, especially younger, um, even college students uh, or people that are. are have let's say they they have jobs that have them working at strange hours, uh, you know, strange by the typical nine to five standard. I guess there's so much flexibility and there are so many ways to get involved, and it's such a great way to make some extra money and to stay involved and to get some exercise. Um, you know, there are lots and lots of benefits to that. Now, at the same time, uh, you know, the, the complaint we hear the most from people that don't stick with it uh, is how they are treated by adult fans. Um, be it parents, be it other adults in the stand. And that is something we are trying to work toward, uh, finding some sort of strategy uh, to, to turn that lack of sportsmanship around, if you will. Uh, that is something we're going to need to have to tackle here um, because we're in a pretty serious state. We are having games not be able to be played because we don't have a fish. And that just shouldn't be. If people want to see uh, today's athletes have the opportunities that they did, uh, they either need to get involved officiating or they need to leave the officials alone when they're in the Yep, I've got a buddy who's officiated. doesn't do it anymore. He's not a teacher, but he told me about there was a time he, he stopped a game and said, well, we're not continuing the game until you get out of the gym. And 
People will turn on the guy yelling pretty darn quick because in the long run, it does nobody any good to yell at an official. As you said, they are there trying to help out the kids. And you never, I mean, every once in a while, obviously, you hear a kid yell at the official, but it's usually always the parents in the stands that are the ones that are complaining about the the little ticky-tack things. And for those people who get started officiating, you know, you're worried about getting yelled at. You're not going to start off with that varsity game with two 19-1 teams. You're you're probably going to start at a smaller level, and you're going to be starting with people in that, you know, advocacy program. They're going to really help them come along, aren't they? Well, and that's the great thing about officiating is we don't just need people at those 19-1 versus 19-1 basketball games. We need people in middle school. Uh, we need people at track meet. Uh, our, our track officials, um, by average age, are among our, are probably our oldest uh, group of officials, and they're awesome, and we love them. Uh, but they need uh, an infusion of youth. So they have someone to pass this on to. Um, and that's just, you know, starting races and, and making sure people are staying in their lanes and things like that. Uh, there are so many different opportunities, and you're correct. You don't just jump into uh, the finals. You, you, you really get a chance to do sub-varsity or do middle school. And, and we have a great program for our high school students, uh, our legacy program, where uh, we match them up with a mentor official while they're in high school, and they can start officiating games at the middle school level. Uh, and, and we found that to be a great source of some wonderful officials uh, moving forward. So, but again, it, it, you know, going back to what we were talking about, the attacks have gotten worse. They've gotten personal. And on one hand, while officials are focused on the action on the field and they're not hearing everything, when they hear things like that, they kind of start wondering if it's even worth it to be out there anymore. Um, and, and we're at a point now where, uh, we're, we're finding people that have to have some pretty interesting scheduling to get games in or just can't play some of their games because uh, we've had so many officials decide to not come back. Yeah, imagine mom and dad in the stands with nobody else there to yell at or complain at because there's just there's nobody there because the officials aren't there, and that is what's eventually going to happen. And the other thing I wanted to point out, the pay is actually very, very good, especially when you do get to the point where if you go do seventh grade, maybe you call that A-B game, maybe you're doing JV varsity, you can actually make some pretty big coin in one night just coming in. I always say I got the best seat in the house, but the officials got an even better seat than I do. Well, and and I I have a friend, for example, up in your area who, um, you know, pre-COVID, and I think it's getting back to that now, he was officiating, especially during basketball and baseball softball season, uh, he was officiating five nights a week or six days a week. Um, now, granted, you don't have to do that. He, he was just somebody that loved it that much and continues to love it that much. But he was making some significant money um, over the course of – during the spring, it's, it's a two-month season, basically, uh, once you figure weather and everything else into it. Uh, obviously, basketball season is, is a lot longer and, and some of our other sports, but – um, yeah, if, if you want to be around that, if you've been part of that uh, environment and that atmosphere and that community, and maybe your kids are done, but you still want to be part of it, um, you know, we have some, some great people who, I, we just had a story on second half about a guy uh, up in the Traverse City area who, uh, his kids are graduated, he, he has officiated, I think, five sports, um, he just keeps he just did our swimming finals. Uh, our, he was our diving official, I think, uh, for one of our girls' finals last fall. It just, like I said, there's some place for everybody who wants to do that and, and a way for people to stay involved in something that, you know, 
for many of us is, is a big part of who we are. Yep, Jeff, thank you so much for joining me. Just kind of going everything there. Just kind of got a minute or so left here. Just kind of go back into the thing. Another little PSA from one of the heads at the MHSAA of parents lay off the officials and lay off the kids and the coaches and the ads too. It's 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 all about the kids. It's not about the parents, is it? Well, and that's the thing we have. If we have great parental support, and it's, you never want to say it's a bad thing for parents to support their kids or support their schools or support their athletic department, but we need to support people in the right way. Um, and, and gosh, obviously this is not 98% of the adults in the stand, um, but it only takes a few doing the wrong thing uh, to, to ruin it for the rest of us. So, yeah, we, we want to make sure that the people who are in the stand, um, you know, are, are kind of keeping things in perspective. Yeah, we all like to compete. We all like to win. Uh, but first of all, it's the students on the floor that are doing it, not us in the stand. Um, and, and second of all, there's a, a, a greater picture to this whole thing. We need to keep that in mind, um, you know, as we're there cheering them on, providing that kind of support and, and you know, doing so in, in an invaluable way that, of course, we appreciate as well. Yeah, right, Jeff, thanks so much for joining me on Spock Sports Show, man. I really appreciate it. It, it is my pleasure. All right. Another big, big thank you to Jeff Kimberly for taking some time to chat with me. He said, check out the second half page at MHSA.com. Lots of cool stories there. Yeah, if you're somebody who is a former high school athlete, get involved. Start officiating. We need more officials for those youngsters. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Spock Sports Show podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you check out MyMichiganPodcast.com.